Hi folks, I'm Alan Watson. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 15th of August 2011. For newcomers, you should look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Hopefully you'll get shortcuts to understanding this massive superstructure of a system all around the world that runs all the governments together and runs all the agendas together uh, with foundations, international money lenders, uh, hundreds and well, actually thousands of non-governmental organizations, all funded by the foundations, all bypasses what you think of as politics. In fact, they put the politicians in. And I try to give you some of the history behind this global effort, starting at least in London. Uh, it's much older than that, actually, but it starts in London for, to all intents and purposes with actual force. And I've gone through the history uh, from even Carol Quigley, who was a historian for this particular group, at least the American branch of it, where he laid it quite succinctly and detailed with detailed notes from their own archives, basically from the CFR, how they'd bring in this global system, a new feudal type system, and that's what we're going through today. So help yourself to the archive section at cuttingthroughthemedics.com, and there's hundreds of audios to choose from. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can help me by buying the books and discs I have for sale at cuttingthroughthemedics.com, because I don't bring on guests as advertisers. Most hosts do, and that's how they make their cash. The ads you hear on this show are paid by advertisers directly to RBN for broadcasting this and for paying for the staff and equipment and hopefully uh, helping with their bills as well. So you can help me with mine uh, by buying the discs and books. Now, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order. You can also send cash or you can use PayPal. You'll find a donation button on the comm site. Use that and follow it up with an email with name, address and order. And all the details are on the comm site. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and again, PayPal. Remember, straight donations are awfully welcome as well. Because on this broadcast, I try and put things together and not get too emotionally wrapped up in things. That's what most articles are really meant to, for, to happen to you. Uh, that's why they're released uh, en masse, in fact. Uh, especially things after rioting in London and that kind of thing. You find so many irrelevant articles on, on, on ridiculous things coming in every day and you're supposed to read through them. That's meant, meant to disassociate your mind from what's going on in reality. And the big boys who control the world, believe you me, don't employ thousands and thousands and thousands of psychologists and neuroscientists and uh, neurolinguistics and so on for nothing. They know how to control the masses, and that's what they intend to do. So I try and cut through that to show you how we got to where we are, where it's supposed to go from now, and where they eventually intend to take the human species, if you like, because they make no bones about it. If you read enough of their scientific journals and magazines, see where the funding is going to as well to do all the experimentation. And uh, 
again, true, uh, I, I often refer to the Department of Defense's own, their think tanks on projections for the next 50 years. You don't pay these guys millions of pounds or bucks uh, for twaddling and looking at crystal balls. They take all present data and how they're going to manage the world as they bring us into this brand new system, a new system where eventually in 30 years' time you'll be serving the world state. That will be your function and duty in life is to serve the world state. And uh, right now we're in a sorry state because uh, we're in the chaos part of it all and the chaos is supposed to be managed. And believe you me, all media does its best to manage the chaos by omitting most of it from uh, these irrelevant articles they throw around the internet or mainstream. So we'll go into some of that when we come back from this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. As I say, it's interesting, uh, the older you get, the more you, you understand because you, somewhere in the back of your memory, you've stored an awful lot of information, even the trivia too, some of it, unfortunately. But you also see the patterns of control when things go awry in uh, government control over the masses, as they always say, the masses. And that's all of the people who are not up at the top, obviously. But uh, you see that with riots, for instance, in England, and there's even references to supposedly uh, riots that could have happened in the States at the same time, but they, they pulled the plug by blocking uh, various uh, iPod traffic and different stuff to do with communications, especially in San Francisco. They're trying to tie all this in together, and of course, what you really are getting a, a whiff of is the fact that the governments are very, very happy uh, during this time of um, quantitative easing, which is, of course, inflation, uh, and uh, bailing out banks one after the other, still bailing them out yet, maybe forever, who knows. And they want us to go into a global society or system like the EU, and when a country goes down, maybe the other side of the world, you're supposed to reach in and bail them out too. And it's all from borrowed money, supposedly. Borrowed money by governments from these strange few international money lenders who basically own your country afterwards because they buy the bonds as well. You find the same bunch buying the bonds. And they own your politics, etc. But ultimately, the taxpayers put down as a guarantor of paying off all the loans that you take to pay off the banks. And this will go on forever. It's a form of slavery, of course. And no one wants to mention that at all. It's slavery, de facto slavery. Uh, even Jefferson said the same thing. If you're born into a system where a generation has to try and pay off the debts of a previous generation, then that generation is therefore basically living in slavery. And that's what it is. It's never been any different. It's never been different at all. And yet people still go along in their day-to-day life because we're trained to go along in day-to-day life and go through our customary routines during the day and watch the same uh, whatever things on television that you're addicted to, you'll watch them. Routine is, is part of sucking you into the system to make you basically phase out uh, so you don't think about the big things that are happening. And that's how you're managed generally. But even then, when the economy goes down the tubes and inflation kicks in, then the quiet places, the places you keep quiet and the police always outnumber or, or almost outnumber the residents sometimes, like parts of London, 
um, they get annoyed when the, the, when the natives get upset. You see, and the, the people at the bottom always feel it first. The the more middle class you get, the less you'll fear the pinch of the pennies uh, as they go back to the government. But uh, at the bottom, they see the inflation first on fixed incomes, and of course the riots start there. There's nothing new in this technique. It's happened over and over before down through history. But uh, the politicians would much rather that you watch the Queen and get reruns of uh, royal marriages and, and, and golden golden carriages, uh, but don't think about those you know those folk there that are all stuck in that area. Don't talk about them. Don't think about them, uh, and everything will be okay. But they get awfully upset when when riots start, and it's only now we're starting to see the the barrage of media and all the confusing stories are coming out of there. Which are, I think, put out by intent. As I say before, said before, you can get so bombarded with information, uh, but you can't absorb it. You can't make head nor tails of it because each one is contradicting the other, and that's that's a ter- that's a method of causing a sort of dissociative state. So you just forget about it and give up on it and shake your head and walk away. That's what it's about. And they hope, of course, to to settle those areas back down to the to the don't, don't be seen and don't be heard situation once again. And every country's got it. And as I say, these these situations didn't happen by themselves, because we know through successive governments, doesn't matter right wing, left wing, it's all the same bird. They, they they go on with the same agendas of mass immigration, and even the so-called right wing uh, group in Britain, Thatcher said that they'd have to massively increase immigration because the, the British people, you know, after being good and all that, not having children, they were told not to, um, they said they couldn't pay off the debt, so they, they weren't having children. So they'd have to bring in massive immigration. And this is the excuse they use for bringing in massive immigration to a country that's never really seen, uh, they've never, never really been out of a depression. Really, they came out of World War Two. Uh, into the same, almost the same state of depression as they left it. They had a brief burst in the 60s to about 1970 and then back down again. And uh, so really, um, why would you bring in massive immigration uh, when they already said that the country really shouldn't be go over 48 million or so and you're up to 70 million or more uh, and counting? It makes no sense unless you want riots down the road, obviously. All the, all the, remember too, um, in Thatcher's Day and before Thatcher's Day, they'd already planned this economic union and the free flow of goods and labor, supposedly, which is from the Royal Institute of International Affairs, is ploy. That's what they came out with all this stuff. They, they set up the agreements for it. They set up the, the structure for the, the economic union. They did the same with the North American Union. By the way, the Prime Minister of Canada is going, is all over Latin America right now signing deals with all the countries down there as they try to integrate it. And before they used to bring them down to meet the president and the Mexican president at the same time. But the public caught on to that. So now they do it individually and sign the same agreements maybe a month apart. But getting back to Britain, as I say, it's only a system to break down the entire structure of society as they do away with nations, as they do away with the culture. And in Blair's uh, assistant prime minister said the same thing, that he was told by Blair to open the floodgates to immigration. Why would you do it when you can't afford it and you have no work to put them to? And then you, you crowd them all into the same area uh, where there's no work and just walk away. It makes no sense at all, unless you want trouble. Because you will get trouble when people are poor. And I remember, it was about a year ago or so, 
or two years uh, that one of the, the, the main ministers, as they call these politicians in Britain, uh, mentioned that fact in Parliament, and he got hell for saying so, saying the obvious. He says, you know, um, when people at the, at the bottom can't afford uh, the basic necessities and unemployment is going rampant, uh, crime always goes up. He's, he made a common-sense statement from, derived from facts, and he was derided for saying the truth, something as basic as that. So it makes you wonder... With all their political correctness and parliaments, I don't think you could ever possibly get through to them at the top what's really going on because they're, they're like the characters in George Orwell's 84. They're the bureaucratic level of society. Uh, they have their political correctness driven into them, and that's how they get up the ladder is by adopting every PC thing that comes down the pike till they can't mention truth anymore. Uh, that's how bad it really is. And all countries are like that today. All countries are. They're all terrified of saying what's the wrong thing. The wrong thing is going to be what you think yourself. You must give the party line on everything. And one party's line is going to be the same as the next party's line. Because this is a global society idea. And it's so interesting to see this feudalistic state. And it's a feudalistic state we're in, where you have this public-private partnership deal with everything today. Uh, until even local uh, authorities are taken over by private players or actors, as they like to call it, the United Nations. And you get appointees just appointing themselves to school boards and and your council boards, and they're all going green, etc., etc. And you find you have to pay them unless you dig deeper, and then you find, no, you didn't have to pay them at all. They, they basically adopted themselves into the system, and they're running you. And the public don't have time to watch all this stuff that's happening. They don't have time. When they come home from work, they're dead beat to just zonk out. They're doing rotten jobs. How many, how many people in an office do you actually hear coming home saying, I had a great day at the office? You're sitting doing ridiculous stuff, repetitive stuff, boring stuff, and they zonk out when they get home. And they want to tune off into fantasy. And that's where they go. And they have no idea what the local council's even up to and the plans that they all have for you. You have no idea of all the UN agreements all the way down to your local council that are being implemented. They have no idea. And you don't have time. You need a full-time person, you know, employed by your community or yourselves, in other words, to watch what's going on. Because even your local papers won't tell you. It's astonishing. It's astonishing in an era of supposedly mass information and here's the drawback from mass information, is that you do have the whole planet now. Rather than concentrating on your own area, your own country, not that, not that you've got a country anymore, they call it states now, um, and regions, but you're supposed to worry about things all over the, the, the planet, which even if you, you, you can't even, even if you know about them, there's nothing you can do about them. So why bother? But you won't know what's happening in your own area because we're supposed to think globally now, and that's what your news is. It's all global, global, global. Amazing, isn't it? And when we're all focusing globally, uh, all these characters truly are, from the United Nations all the way down to your area, are acting locally. And that was part of their slogans, of course. It probably still is. But we find, going back to this feudalistic idea... And they're still calling it democracy, by the way, even though this is not democratic. There are more appointees now to government probably than elected representatives when you go into who's behind everybody else. 
and the bureaucracies are there regardless of what clowns they put on for you to jeer at or applaud. And the, the bureaucrats know what their jobs happen to be because they take, they take, they're, they're, they've all integrated with the United Nations a long time ago. And that's the agendas that they take. Now Britain, and I'll put up a link tonight if I can find it again. It's, it's a, it's a guy in London from the West Indies talking, just yelling out to uh, this police cordon where the riots took place and just raging off some of the facts as he sees them and experiences them. And I have no doubt what he's telling is the truth because he lives there and, and uh, he's talking about where are the police? You know, the police stand back, he says, and they, they watch people getting their heads kicked in around, you know, on the corner. They won't go near them and stop it. He says, where's the army there in Afghanistan? He says, Denny, if you, any of you want your troops in Afghanistan? He says, of course you don't. He's stating basic facts. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. Just talking about this, how, how things are really set up in advance for the problems that eventually emerge. And you cannot believe, I hope people really don't believe that politicians truly are the guys running their countries. Because the politicians, um, they don't even know, even when they leave office, uh, the names of all the different departments in a government. They don't even know who runs them. They're, the politicians themselves are run by advisors who are non-elected as well. And these advisors belong to an awful, a global clique, put it that way, who know exactly where to guide the the front man. And uh, the script writers are part of it too. They make sure that he says all the right things for the right times. But they don't really know what's going on. They're there to fill their pockets. I've I've never had time for politicians. I've met quite a few. And uh, they're all smug. uh, And, of course, they all pretend they're attentive to you. But that's what a psychopath does. They're either a very good salesman going door-to-door selling vacuum cleaners or they're in politics. And study after study in psychiatry that have gone into psychopathy have mentioned they lump the the politician in with the hysterical psychopath along with the actress or actor because they love attention. They love getting attention. And uh, and that's what they do. They're grandstanders, basically. But the ones behind them are a completely different story who've been trained for many, many years, maybe from very early years, some of them, I'm sure, to basically run the country and the world, judged uh, basically on on the history uh, that's been collected down through the ages on, on the public. There's nothing new under the sun when it comes to dealing with the general public and uh, how to manage them. And we know, too, that we've watched uh, Hollywoods and music television uh, that's not run by black men um, push rap and uh, all the different the, the culture to do with gang, gangs and riots and uh, success and sex uh, to make it a big, big, uh, big thing for everyone to adopt. And we've watched that for many, many years. And then you see the mentality of the, the young ones getting raised on this kind of stuff, going out and acting out just what they've seen on television. And they've seen it for years and years and years. And you wonder why it's happening. You wonder why it's happening. You understand, any any governments could create any kind of culture they wished. And when they wanted, when they want down the road to have violence, etc., 
they will give you the violence. And they'll prepare the way for it, just like tilling a field and before you plant, you, you prepare the soil, etc. Well, that's what they do with us. They know exactly when to make each step happen for the global system that's emerging. Because it's not to be democratic, you understand. They'll use it to the bitter end, this word, this term democracy, even though you've never seen any of it. And uh, the Club of Rome, the big think tank for the United Nations, has said that this system has to be an authoritarian system. And of course, that's what the eugenicists all wanted from the beginning, where the so-called better people would manage all the rest, the ones who couldn't figure out which door to go out, and etc. That's, that's how basically they talk about it. And they're, going to, they're teaching us step by step that we, we need a new system. That's what it is. It's not, it's not uh, a response to something that happened. That, that, that what happened had to happen, and it was sparked off. There's another little link I'll put up tonight, too, where I'll show you that the police, had, where the guy was shot, this guy that supposedly sparked it all off, um, the police had been snooping around there for days uh, before they actually, on this bridge, before they actually uh, shot the guy. So there's more to it than meets the eye. And then government never lets anything happen unless it wants it to happen on a big scale, especially with the cops all standing back when they could have nipped it in the bud very quickly at the beginning. And their answer to it is, it's interesting, their answer to it, he's part of their answer, internationalism again, is going to fix the problem. And Cameron, the Prime Minister of Britain, wants to bring in this, this guy here, this character, US super cop Bill Bratton says riot arrests uh, are not the only answer. And um, it says communities cannot arrest their way out of gang crime. The Prime Minister's new crime advisor, U.S. Super Cop Bill Bratton, has warned the former New York police chief meets uh, David Cameron next month to discuss, discuss violence in the English cities and says the issue is for society as a whole. It, it was all, it's also one of the top guys in this global system. It's like a private cop deal, almost uh, like Blackwater. And... Uh, and here he is, David Cameron wants to give him a job. But it's interesting, too, when you go into a wiki and you find out that this this guy that runs between different countries, he's run off to, 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 to Israel, back to the States, and here and there and everywhere, to Britain. He's even got an, an order of the night or something or another that the British gave him in 2009. He's been married to but four women, and I think the last one's in Hollywood and, and uh, newscasting and actressing and a lawyer and, and that kind of stuff. You can't really tell the difference when it comes to America. It's all mushed together, fact and fiction, because why would lawyers be be doing part-time actressing and stuff like that? Anyway, here they are wanting to bring in this guy to, to bring it in line with the, the U.S. Now, the U.S. as well is interesting because an FBI chief... Um, through a contract I've got, uh, got, gave me a big pile of the gang slogans and, and their, their symbols uh, across the U.S. a few years ago. And everyone was Masonic. And there's no way these guys would know the history of these symbols and what they stand for. These, these guys that probably hardly ever went to school, didn't want to go to school. And, uh, and yet here's all these amazing amazingly intricate symbols for each of the gangs. There's, there's definitely something else involved in this. And you always need gangs or, or a, a group that you can get an uprising when you need them to say, see, you need more protection. That's why they keep these people around. Back with more after this break.
are listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Just talking about uh, the riots and how they happen on cue. Of course they had to happen because inflation is going through the roof and those at the bottom can't stretch the the bucks to to buy even the necessities. That's obviously going to happen uh, over and over again anywhere uh, when when, when these things do. In fact, that's how already happened. Uh, Some of the the first riots they had in Greece and other places before the collapse of the banks was to do with with food and and transportation and cost of fuel, etc. So it's not hard to start riots, put it that way. And it's all techniques, and the big boys know how to do it and probably are very, very good at even predicting exactly when it would happen, even if you didn't uh, instigate it yourself. But i got to laugh as well at how they come out in Britain. It's almost like a royal decree when they give out these, what Mr. Cameron's going to tell the press, what he's going to tell them. In other words, to give you a facsimile from his, his script writers, made up by his advisors, uh, that he probably hasn't even read himself yet, and they, they give it out to the public to read, uh, just like the Queen does. You know. So this is, they're still living in this kind of strange era. But it says... Um, the Prime Minister facing unprecedented criticism for the police will see as the strength to take on and defeat social problems caused by a weak and demoralized state. No kidding. Mr. Cameron will use a speech in his Oxford constituency to underline his personal leadership in dealing with the root causes of last week's violence. That'll take a miracle because it's been so long, right? Both police and politicians faced criticisms for the slow initial response to the riots. And Mr. Cameron will declare, I will not be found wanting. I wonder if we we'll keep this guy on as a scriptwriter. The aftermath of the disturbances is seen in relations between government and police sink to a new low. Four police chiefs yesterday made a public attack on Mr. Cameron's law and order agenda. One police constable told the Daily Telegraph that the Prime Minister had been disrespectful and risked losing the support of the police. So, your politics dealing with, in, inside politics, even all departments of government, including the police, they're all playing games with each other. Uh, as they as they hold on to their own power, basically, and it says here, the Home Office said there have been a total of 2,800 arrests, 1,300 charged, and more than 1,000 who've already appeared in court. So it just shows you they knew everybody that was doing the rioting or the looting when it was happening because they've got cameras everywhere, and uh, they just sat back and let it all all happen. And it says that detectives warned that it could be months before the ringleaders of disturbances are identified and apprehended. Thousands of people attended a peace rally in Birmingham where the father of a man killed last week said messages of support from uh, public gave him strength in the heart. Anyway, it's, it's just amazing. He's blaming it on... on uh, <laughs> you understand the whole culture is corrupt. They've had years of decadence uh, getting thrown at them via... The government institutions, including the BBC, because they're, they're, they're paid for by the taxpayer, by the government, and uh, and by the, the people too through taxation and licensing, and they've, they've given nothing but filth, degradation for years and years and years, and hyped it up again with this, this crazy uh, music, if they want to call it that, that's meant to be degrading, uh, and they turn around after no one gets married anymore, no one has children. They're doing exactly what uh, Julian Huxley from UNESCO said they wanted them to do at that level. And and they're all surprised. 
surprised. So they, they turn around and, and he says, Mr. Cameron will also blame children without fathers. No kidding. No kidding. You guys understand what the whole feminist revolution was really, really all about. And you have to associate that too with the Communist Manifesto because every plank has been fulfilled in the Communist Manifesto. The elimination of the family unit, they'd have to get the dad out of the way. And when youngsters don't have dads, they're fair game for anybody to come along. Either perverts or gang leaders or whatever it happens to be that's going to take them under the wing and uh, say, I'll protect you or I'll show you the ropes. And that's how things happen in real life. And it says, mending that broken society, and Mr. Cameron will say, I love, I love this, 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 this thing. It's his fundamental aim in politics. Uh, so they destroy the system, you destroy the culture, exactly what Blair's assistant prime minister told uh, the press, destroying the culture of Britain forever so they could never bring it back. That's happened. And now, now they're pretending they're going to try and uh, restore a, a, a culture and, and morals, etc. Who's kidding who? What are morals anyway? Define morality. You see, if you've lost your basis of where it all came from, you can't get back to it. You can't do it. You, you, you simply can't do it. Because there's nothing in the up-and-coming generations to remember. All they know is this present system. And all the entertainment they've been shown is glorified on television day after day after day. It's no different than farming. If, if you can get generations of farmers, and they've had them all over the States and Canada, and when there's, there's one boy born and he decides to go off to the city and do some other work, uh, that's it lost. All that knowledge can be lost. Just one son leaving so quickly. You never can go back because he doesn't know. He won't know and his children won't know. And it's the same with culture in general. And culture is whatever the ones that they wanted, wanted to be at the top. Make it. That's what culture is. Plato said the same thing too. He said in his own day that culture was always de- determined and created from the top. They could not allow a true crass culture from the public to emerge because those elite, the, the, the aristocracy would lose control over them. That's what he said. It's always been that way. So whatever culture that you are acting out and have adopted unwittingly, generally, you don't know, you think it's normal, it's there, it must be normal, right? It's all planned by much, much higher uh, authorities than you'll ever, ever imagine. Then you'll never hear about it. You think it's all spontaneous. I can remember when they came out with the song talking about my generation, that was all part of the, the system too in communism where they'd have to separate the generations, literally have them at odds with each other. All funded by, again, the governments and very uh, very uh, wealthy people that ran the inter- entertainment industries, knowing what they were doing. The ones who sung them often didn't know what they were doing. It hasn't changed today. But the culture industry is a massive industry, very important to rule a country or a world. You have to create a culture and make it easily ruled. And you don't want people standing together as families or units or ethnic groups or anything. You want to make sure you destroy everything forever and you give them this this vague uh, replacement of political correctness. This generally so a, a whack with reality. It doesn't matter, but it isn't intended to bring a reality, a true 
functional reality to you, it's only important that you believe it. Very Orwellian, but that's how it is in real life. And they always give you two, the, the most extreme example of immigrants coming into countries who get put up on welfare. And I, I have to say, I, personally, I believe this is all set up by the government too, to, to augment the tension, to heighten the tension that you have in these communities where people either have all been put there together or, like most countries across the world, they end up in their own regions of a city. That's all, even from ancient history, you'll find that people segmented them into regions of a city, a quadrant where they were happier amongst their own. It says, uh, here's an article here, it's meant to cause rages. The jobless Somali refugees are put up and lavished two million pounds, six bedroom house paid for by the taxpayer. This, this kind of ties in with one that was out a few months ago, where there was someone from, there was Bulgaria, Romania, I think it was, who literally played all the different grants he could get under welfare uh, from a whole borough or area, and he eventually bought a castle back home. No kidding. But he obviously, they knew what they were doing, the ones at the top. They, they're not stupid. Because the only people at the bottom who are on welfare don't get anything like this. A family of refugees has moved into a £2 million home in one of the country's most exclusive neighbourhoods at the taxpayer's expense. Unemployed Saeed Khalif is being handed almost £8,000 a month to pay the rent on his house. That's just for the rent. Uh, one of the most expensive ever to be funded by housing benefit. Well, who's running the housing benefit? Hmm? The Somali refugee, 49, demanded to be moved to the six-bedroom property in West Hampstead, northwest London, with his wife, Sayida, and their children after deciding their previous accommodation was inadequate. And it says their old house in Coventry also had six bedrooms, but at £1,000 a month was a fraction of the burden on the government. It's not the government, it's the taxpayer, right? The family said they wanted to be near friends and relatives in the capital, but it's understood that the left damaged uh, estimated £600 in the Coventry property and didn't pay their final month's rent. The new home was a 90, has a 90-foot garden, has been recently refurbished, with an ensuite master bedroom, modern kitchen, large living room. It's minutes from West Hampstead Underground Station, and the neighbourhood is home to a comedian, uh, Stephen Fry, and actress Emma Thompson. Estate agents described the property as a stunning six-bedroom, two-reception house when it was on the market recently for £2 million. Anyway, it says here that uh, the government agencies are making sure that he gets us. And all the money on top of that to pay for his family. Hasn't worked since he'd been in the country for a few years. This is meant to cause discord, which I'm sure it will. Because, as I say, the average person coming into the country doesn't get anything like this. So why are they giving it to this one and, and really playing it up? It's to ca- cause more anger, you see. Cause more anger and to get people against people. And that's why that article is there and that's why they made this happen. That's why they made it happen. Even pensioners don't get this kind of cash. So everyone's played as a sucker, and uh, it's all to do with emotional um, warping, as I say, because you've got to put emotion outside of everything and always look at things as they actually are, without emotion. And when you get emotive about something, someone's playing you on a hook. Uh, In the media, that is. Now, America is a big battering ram. It's the battering ram 
to bring in the New World Order. Always has been, as far as I can see through history. It's funded the United Nations, uh, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, sent Kipling over at the beginning of the 20th century to hand over the torch, basically, to America. Uh, they'd already taxed the British out underground, basically. And they thought, here's a new place here with all these taxpayers and industry. What a, what a base for, for it to get young guys for the military and the taxpayers to fund the military. So they were to take over as a policeman of the world, some, something that nobody voted for, obviously. And, uh, but the U.S. has been stuck with that ever since. And it's still doing it yet today for reasons that most people even question. We don't even think, why, why are you all over the world? War Incorporated, Pentagon sucks in American youth and how they, how they need the youth all the time for the military. And it says, as the U.S. economy remains in a consistent downward spiral, one thing the government is never shy to invest in was cash in as the Pentagon, which on its end is pumping millions of dollars into luring in the young population of America into enrolling into the military. RT looks at some of those mesmerizing techniques and what kind of effect they have had on those who fit to serve. Uh, the hunt for American youth to hunt down the next American enemy war incorporated a robust business machine is operating at full capacity in the U.S. from television ads to Hollywood blockbusters to video games to American presidents dubbing soldiers the real patriots. The image of the American warrior is portrayed as that of the invincible hero. Times Square in London is one of the uh, in New York, sorry, is one of the number one entertainment spots in Big Apple. It lures in millions from around the world and across the USA's part from flashlights and billboards. There's a recruitment center, which is one of hundreds just in New York. The mesmerizing techniques luring young Americans into serving are more sophisticated than ever before. The sponsoring video game tournaments, paintball tournaments, and going up to these young kids, it says here, and say, hey, the U.S. military needs you. We see your skills at this video game. And of course, to a 15 or 16 or 17 year old, this is something that's very enticing, says Iraq war veteran Michael Preisner. It's a cruel and deceptive type of recruitment. They want to use all the hippiest tools they have to be to, to make being in the military as cool as possible, said media critic and filmmaker Danny Schechter. This is now a cinematographer, Edward Page, has dedicated 10 years to being a U.S. soldier. He thought it was the honorable thing to do. If they presented uh, war for what it was, nobody would join, said Edward. And it's true. And actually, if they made it uh, mandatory, the only people over 35 or 40 could go in the military. Well, very, I don't think hardly anybody would go at all. You've got to get children who think they're immortal, you see. And uh, and they've watched all the movies and they think they are immortal. That will never happen to me. That's the bad guys get killed in the movie, and your government will always tell you who the bad guys are. But they do join, having played one computer game and seen one war movie too many. There are no second chances in real life. You can reset a game, you can restart a movie. There are no second chances when you are actually out there and your life's at risk for something that most of these young men have no idea really the true reasons why they're even out there. Edward explained. By the time some of these reasons are realized, it's often too late to expand the military influence and domination in these regions of the world that are currently off-limits to U.S. imperialism, Michael Preisner named one. The problem is a lot of these children don't know. Once they get in, it's hard to get out. For some, the way out is suicide. A military report says 80% of soldiers in Afghanistan have seen a friend killed or injured, the gore of war quickly replacing its promised glory. 
However, nothing stops a military propaganda machine. They're spending hundreds of millions of dollars every year on recruiting groups and recruiting people, glorifying war, glorifying the killing of people, whether it's necessary or not, said war veteran Jake Gliberto from Washington, D.C. A dire economy at home also comes in handy for the Pentagon. That's from something we learned from the British Empire as well. It says, there is a joke in the military that the best recruiter is an economic downturn, said economist Richard Wolff, and that recruiter is raging on what happened after 2008 that solved their problem was the desperation of millions of Americans. We had an economic crisis. We've had unemployment zoom up, explained Wolf. But no matter the times, the power of the Pentagon seems eternal. So it's... It's a standard routine uh, that's been used down through the ages. In Britain, the conglomerations, and they're all conglomerations in Britain, as they are in America, the conglomerates, the cartels, would get together and start laying people off, knowing darn well they could they could hire new ones the following day. But the ones who were put out of work very early uh, would immediately join up the military. There was nothing else there. And at that time, the military used to come around the towns and the factory towns uh, when all employment was stepped up. And uh, they'd, they'd, they'd join up on the spot, and that's all you need is a, a, a you know some some trumpets and a, a drum, or a brass band and a flag waving, and promises, promises, and away they go. And of course, once they joined up, uh, the factories immediately opened again, and, and that was that. It was all worked out with the government that they could do it together. But we're really suckers, you understand, at the bottom. We don't know what's going on. We, you don't know that, that they're almost like vampires above you, in a sense, who, who live on you and how you think. In fact, they all generally make you think the way that you do about things. And, and that's their talent. That's their skill. They're awfully well paid as well and have wonderful letters behind their names. Lots of them. Back with more after this break. Folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, and uh, we'll go to the callers. This is Werner from Canada hanging on the line here. Are you there, Werner? Yeah, good evening, Alan. I yes. just uh, turned in uh, later towards the latter end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing what we, you were talking about, uh, you know, young fellas going to war. I understand, uh, isn't there a law that they, uh, they have to be 19 years old to uh, buy booze and smokes? Because the government is concerned about uh, their health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I know. What a joke. It is a joke. Uh, it is a joke, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, uh, haven't uh, they uh, established that uh, the male brain is not fully developed yeah. uh, until uh, the mid-20s? And sometimes it takes even longer. It's often, often longer, yeah. And uh, send basically children out to war. Isn't the child abuse? Yes. And they've, they've always known this, but that's why they pick the, the children. They're still living half in fantasy and half in hope and fantasy. It's all mixed together. And, and they, can, they think they're immortal. You do think you're immortal when you're that age. Yeah, as I say, you know, this is uh, completely irresponsible. And it is. Uh, shouldn't we demand a responsible government? 
Well, you can demand all they want until you realize that your governments have nothing to do with you. (laughs) Yeah. They don't have anything to do with the people anymore. They dance to a different drama. Yes, uh, you're right. These are really it's just it's just government ink, and and uh, and they're just um, uh, one of many across the globe on this global agenda, serving the corporations uh, and the scientists, of course, and academia at the top, helping and, them. And uh, we shall not forget who is being called in the scriptures the prince of this world. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's true. Well, there's no doubt about it. You, you, you've got when you, you see the behaviour. This is this amazing thing about uh, this, this speech by Cameron in Britain that he will say um, these guys are the most corrupt at the top. I mean, even when they, they visit Canada in the G20, Canada lays on prostitutes, male and female, for all the visiting dignitaries. That's in the mainstream news here. You know, and male and female, how young were those children be, I wonder, some of them? And we allow this to go on. And see, they already live in a different reality at the top. They're not in our reality at all. And they're talking about morality of the people at the bottom. They lay out one reality for us and another reality for themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought they did away with the class system. Oh no, no, anything but. In fact, if anything, it's been it's been growing uh, this class system at one awful rate for the last twenty five, thirty years. They keep talking about the, the the gulf between the rich and the poor is getting wider and wider. The UN announces it every year, I think, with glee probably, and uh, uh, and we are. It's, it's so we can't imagine all the rackets the ones that the top in politics are into when prime ministers can leave. Uh, and the time that, by the time they've left politics, they get handed 20 director's seats. They don't, they, don't, they don't have to even turn up. That's for all the lobbying things they push through. Uh, I don't know. You remember Sinclair Stevens? Yes. Yep. Conflict of interest? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, they seem to have forgotten all that. Uh... Yes, they, they do forget. But, and it's been many, many sins. And they all end up getting, they're multi-millionaires when they leave because that's when they get their, their payoffs or paybacks back from all the lobbyists for getting contracts through. So much, so much about, about being committed to the welfare of the people. Oh yeah. Well, it is, it's, 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 it isn't even stale anymore. It's beyond even being stale, all these platitudes that come out from their mouths. They, they, they don't even know who we are. They wouldn't care if they were running China or Canada. The peasant is the peasant the world over today. And it's a global, global plantation, except for those who are psychopathic enough to get to the top with help from their friends or their families. But thanks for calling. And from Hamish Myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. You may your God or God's go with you.